Welcome back to A Seat at the Table, and we're honored that you would join us here. We're going to jump into chapter 7 as we continue our study uh, through the book of Romans, and Brother Woodward's going to uh, tie 6 and 7 here together for us. pretty straightforward. In chapter 6, Paul says we have to choose between two masters. We don't get to not have a master. You have to pick either sin or righteousness. Um, in chapter 7, he switches the metaphor. In chapter 7, we have to choose between husbands. So in 6, you can be a slave to sin, a slave to unrighteousness, or you can be a slave to Christ, his righteousness. You cannot be free from having a master. You have to pick. So to carry the, the metaphor forward, in chapter 7, you can be married to the law. You can be self-righteous and try to do your own thing, or you can be married to Christ, his righteousness. But in his sense of, of the metaphor, you can't remain unmarried. And that's where he jumps in and he starts talking about, you know, as long as her husband liveth, and that's where we end up in, in Romans 7. That's how we start out. It's good. I, I, I think we, go, we, we hit on this at the last lesson uh, from five and six, where we are, we, we, we see the, the echoes of Exodus. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, chapter five. Uh, we are, um, we're leaving one, one master, yep. sin. Mm -hmm. We're leaving the law uh, uh, that reveals our sin. And then chapter six is baptism, it's the Red Sea. Yeah, We're crossing yeah, over from, you know, that's baptism to us. That's our yes. new exodus into yes. yep. uh, new territory, the promises. And then when God brought them out of uh, Egypt, uh, he didn't leave them without a master. Yeah. And he didn't leave them without a plan either. Yes. It wasn't, okay, well, I'm bringing you out of Egypt, and it's just good luck. Hope you make it. Yeah. And um, instead, they, they, they crossed that Red Sea, and, and they are... Uh, brought into covenant with the law, so he right. gives the law, and we we see that in uh, in chapter six that we are slaves to righteousness now, that we have a new master, that we are presenting our bodies uh, to him and our lives to him as a people, and so se chapter seven is really this picture of what we are to do if God is going to do just like He did in the tabernacle and in the, in the camp, you know, he said, if I want to dwell among you, you got to be a clean yeah. people. Yeah. Right, you know, you got to be, you got to be, yes. it's got to yes. be a difference here because yes. I'm not going to just dwell yes. with anybody. I Absolutely. brought you out, but mm -hmm. me bringing you out means I'm bringing myself in. Mm -hmm. And so that's sanctification here in chapter seven. And I think we need to, uh, I think Bishop Carpenter and myself would talked about this uh, briefly last year uh, at our uh, general conference is the difference between justification and sanctification. Mm -hmm. uh, justification describes our freedom from the guilt and the consequences of mm -hmm. sin, uh, but sanctification describes our freedom from the corruption That's right, of right, sin. Right. And so justification is what Christ has already done for us. Sanctification is what he's doing in us. Mm -hmm. And so we see this wrestling taking place in Paul that even though, yes, I am justified, you're justified, we are justified by his grace. Mm -hmm. He doesn't leave us without hope right. that we're not, we're not left with the consequences and the pollution of sin. Mm -hmm. But there's this wrestling match that he gets on into. Uh, you know, there's the, uh, yeah. the, the, the wrestling between the things that I want to do, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't do. The things that I uh, don't want to do, I end up doing. 
And so sanctification is important. That's what he's really pointing to here is that the Spirit is working in us. His grace is working in us uh, to allow him to be the God who comes into our lives and dwell with us. So we can't remain as we were but we become more like him. And there's this wrestling match that will take place with believers. Mm -hmm. And we need to be very clear with that as we disciple people and we evangelize people that yes, you are free, you are forgiven, but the pollution of sin is there. So you're this constant wrestling match between, are you gonna go back? Right. You're going to cross the Red Sea. You're going to cross that and go back to that master of Egypt and Pharaoh and sin. Or are you going to submit yourself to God and his holiness? I think the one thing that I think makes it very simple for a listener is that Paul is reminding us the issue is not the law. It's me. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. It's, right. it's like they, they find something they want to point and say, well, the law or this or that. And the, I guess the, the arrow points back. Uh, back at me, Pastor. I didn't, Pastor Carpenter, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you there. Um, but that 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 struggle that we're dead to the law. Um, you know that that whole idea doesn't exempt us from it. You know, so just right. just putting it as it simply as that is that you know it's the the issue is not with the law. The issue is my flesh. You yes, know? Right. absolutely. It's, yes. Yep. Well, when you look at uh, what uh, Pastor Whitley said uh, in Exodus. Basically, you see that uh, justification mm-hmm. in the uh, the shedding of the blood of the yes, lamb. Yes. So in Exodus, they're sinners. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they come out of Egypt. Right. They're, they're sinners. Um, you bring them through the book of Exodus, through the water, mm. uh, through the experience, and you come to the book of Leviticus, and now this is where sanctification comes in yes. because the key word in Leviticus is be ye holy. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's that, there's that, um, there's that justification and that sanctification that, that keeps, you have to keep it balanced. I, I believe, I believe these, uh, uh, sanctification and justification, um, or what it, it balances there there's there's a perfect balance because in the act of sanctification we should always be looking back at what he he the, the justification of the forgiveness mm-hmm. of sin mm-hmm. and as we always look back number one we're reminded not to go back right mm-hmm. yes but we're reminded how far God has brought us absolutely and yeah. so uh, but I would make a just a, a statement about chapter seven um, you, you know if you go back. Uh, and try to get into the mindset of these Jews. Mm-hmm. Uh, for thousands, uh, a few thousand years, they've been taught the law. Right? Yes. I mean, it's just ingrained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's ingrained <clears throat> in them. And then all of a sudden, um, Jesus comes, the church is birthed, and um, um, the fulfillment of this law ha- has come, and, and they're starting uh, to understand that these were types and shadows, and they're they're pulling away from this. I can I, I see Paul, although he's telling them, he's pulling them away, pointing <clears throat> them more to Jesus Christ, right? Uh, the relationship with Him. But I love how he keeps it balanced. He says in verse seven of chapter seven, he said, "What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Mm-hmm. Is it sin?" And then he says, "God forbid." Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. Mm. So, right. so he 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 he's he's bringing them into grace and the understanding of the strength and the atonement and the mercy of God. All the while, he keeps coming back and said, "Wait a minute, 
our forefathers were not wasting their time. Mm -mm. We yeah. would not have known sin had it not been had it not been for the law. Awesome. I think one of the reasons Paul begins this chapter with the whole marriage image is exactly that: that uh, our motivation is different now. Mm. Um, we're married to Christ. We're His yes. bride. Right. So all of us are at this table. We're all married. So we know what that means. To be a Christian <coughs> is to fall in love with Jesus and enter into a legal covenant with him. Right. Right. Uh, it's as personal as marriage. Mm. Um, when you get married, no part of your life is unaffected. So Paul's point here, Bishop, that you mentioned is that we're dead to the law, but yes. that doesn't mean we just live any right. old way right. uh, because we're in love with Jesus yes. right. and we want to please him. So uh, the, the marriage metaphor that he begins this chapter with is a better metaphor probably than slavery, although yes, right. it's a little uh, humorous, uh -huh. there are similarities. Mm -hmm. And some people see today in our culture, see marriage as bondage. Uh, and, and sure. you know, I'm not going to do that commitment because when you get married, you lose a significant amount of your uh, independence and maybe even your freedom. Uh, a single person can make any decision they want. A married person, uh, you you have to check. There's there's duty, there's obligation. But on the other hand, you've got this experience of love, so it makes it all a joy. So 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 that's the deal. Uh, our loss of freedom, so to speak, it's not a burden. Mm -hmm. It's it's joy. Our motivation is different. Um, law keeping, uh, we don't just ignore the law of God, mm. uh, but we're not married to the law. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not keeping the law. This is what Paul's trying to say. We're not trying to prove ourselves righteous right. or earn our own righteousness. What we're doing is we're married to Christ. So our motivation is because it pleases him. Yeah. That's why we keep it, because it honors him. Our, our obedience hasn't changed at all. Right. Mm. Our motivation has changed. We're living to please the one that we're yes. married to. Yes. That's, that's, good. that's where he Very starts. Good. And then he gets really honest and practical and leads us where we're headed here into that struggle because yes. it's not always easy. That's correct. But the motivation is sure, love, yes. not law. To please. Yeah. So to please the one you're married to is the, the, yeah. the neat idea. But I do think it's very interesting that even within that analogy, and, and again, I, I don't want to jump off off script here, but the the law is not the one that dies. Yeah, there. that's exactly right. Because you still don't get to leave the law. Right. You know. So it, in his analogy, there, it's it's uh, it's, he's letting us know that the law cannot die. The law doesn't go away. Right. Um. So that that's a pretty interesting um, analogy that he he shifts there and then takes us on into the the, the rest of chapter. Seven there. That's very intriguing. One, one statement that I read is, the flaw is not in the law. Right. The flaw is in me. Right. That's the deal. Wow. And that's what we're wrestling with. He says in verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual. Yeah, mm. exactly. But I am of the flesh. Carnal. Yeah. So I'm, I'm carnal. I'm, I, I don't have it. Mm. I, it's no good in me. Yeah. And that was the issue. It wasn't that the, the law was wrong. Mm -hmm. It's that the law revealed my weakness. Yeah. He, said, he said it right there. He said... I would not have known what covetousness was had it not been for the law. Yeah. yeah. 
And so now it reveals how right. wounded and, and broken it, that sin has made me. Again, he's hitting that what? We mentioned it already, that 10th commandment that he could not see. Yeah. So yes. all of a sudden that spirit is going to help me with those things I can't see. And again, it goes back to that whole Exodus thing. Can yeah. you submit to? And so Paul's even dealing with the one thing. He's like, I've checked all these boxes, but then this all of a sudden this 10th commandment. Yes that I couldn't see, I realized that there's a lot of things in me. And this right. is during, uh, if, if, if you look at the history, I think it's during a time, um, it, it may be a feast time. I, I, I'm, I'm pulling um, straight from, from memory here, but the, that there was, it was obviously revealing that he was looking across and, and coveting things that people had. And um, mm. I, I think that's a, a neat note. And again, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, there, and I, but the law is spiritual. I'm of the flesh. And he goes through mm. this. I like to call it a tongue twister here, but, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do. Yeah. But he says in verse 21, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, mm. evil is always at mm-hmm. hand. Yes. It's always at hand. And it's not the devil. It's me. Right. Mm-hmm. He, he, because this is what he's really, he said, I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. And trying to make me a captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. He says, so wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me mm. from this body mm. of death? Wow. Because it's me. It's yeah. not, I don't need deliverance from the, you know, we, we, it's the devil, it's the devil, it's the devil. He gets a yeah. lot of blame yes. for <laughs> my decisions. That's devil doctrine. You know, and he gets, well, I feel bad for him sometimes, you know, <laughs> you know we put all the blame on him. I'm a, I, don't, I don't mean to be, yeah. uh, you know, facetious, but... It is me that is the problem. It's not the law. It's me. It's sin that's in me. Mm -hmm. And even though we are justified, we are positionally holy. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm. When he justifies us, we are positionally holy. Ye were washed. Yeah. Right. Ye were sanctified. But the the fight continues. The issue is, he goes back to six, ties in, is that previously you didn't want to fight for holiness. When you were in the world, you didn't want to fight for holiness. Exactly. And so it, now you do. Yeah. And so he says, uh, in my mind, we have to, we have, to have a made-up mind mm-hmm. to love and delight in the law of God. The things that we, we didn't delight in that, I know I didn't when I was sure. in the world, but now that I do, right. I live by a higher calling mm-hmm. that this is what I'm, I'm in covenant with yes. the one who mm-hmm. justified me, and he's working with me right. to sanctify me and to get to be conformed into his image. And that's where yes. the, the change of, yes. of masters, yes. the change of affections, and, yes. the, and the change of relationships. Pastor, I, I really um, enjoy the analogy of that husband and wife because he presents that, and then the rest of the chapter is about struggle. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe it will all be transparent with one another uh, to those that will be watching um, when we enter into marriage, I remember uh, reading a poem or reading something about marriage, that marriage is as two gentle brooks that flow together and make one harmonious stream. And, you know, that's about the biggest lie. <laughs> it's more like, you know, two, two garbage trucks <laughs> hitting one another and picking up all the garbage, her garbage and my garbage. That's funny. And so... Um, the struggle is normal. Right. And, yes. and I, I think that uh, a lot of people um, struggle with struggle, uh, that something's wrong with me. Well, if I, if I was really saved, Pastor mm-hmm. Woodward, why am I feeling this way? Yeah. If I was really, that's because for once in your lifetime, 
You're yeah. telling your flesh no. Exactly. Yeah. You, you know, yes. you are in war yes. with your flesh. You're mm-hmm. you're letting your flesh wow. know, I, I, I don't want to do this. I, um, I, I don't want to go here. I don't want to do this. I don't want to say this. And so if we could say anything to our audience today, it's normal to yes, struggle. Absolutely. Yeah. It's normal to struggle. And you have those stages within marriage. You really think about it like yeah. it's what happens to people when they come in the church. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, that engagement process... It's like that new person that comes yeah. into church. I mean, they, they get married. They go down in the water. You know, you, you can't yeah, see right. them. They're, yes. they're yes. hip to hip. You oh, know, yeah. It's like yeah. PDA explosion. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. everything I couldn't do at yeah. camp for the past five years, it's like, you know, <laughs> holding hands. It's like they sit, they sit on the same side of the booth at the restaurant, yeah. you know. Yeah. But then it's the five-year, the 10-year. You know, it's, it's keeping, rekindling that thing. Right. And I think that struggle is the reality of, you know, the longevity of growing yes. old together, growing, you know, um, closer and closer. So I think that's a... And, and it doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been in the church. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, Sister Carpenter's often said, every level is another devil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you know, every season of life. I'm yeah. in a season of life. I, I, I'll, I'll be transparent with all of you here. Um, I have struggled since I've been in the church. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sure. mm-hmm. I have struggled with some form uh, or another, um, be it be it that I struggle that I've wasted my time, be it I struggle that I should have done more, fasted more, prayed more, uh, struggle uh, with just the seasons of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's just, I really believe this is going to be, uh, chapter seven is so beneficial to our audience to know it's normal to struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. normal. Well, it's even normal for the apostle Paul, which yeah. to yeah. me gives us great, <laughs> Comfort. Yes. Um, you know, there's a little turn here, and Pastor Nate, you already mentioned it uh, in verse 14. He says in verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. And then he really becomes open, and he starts to talk about this struggle. In my flesh dwells no good thing. And uh, so if you, if you look at the, the verbiage in the Greek up till verse 13, the verbs are all in the past tense. Huh. But starting with verse 14, the verbs move into the present, present. tense. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you can even tell that in the English. You don't have to know Greek to know this. In, in Romans uh, up to verse 13, Paul keeps talking about sin killing him. Sin took occasion by the commandment mm-hmm. and it slew me and all this stuff. So, But beginning in verse 14, he talks about his ongoing struggle with sin and sin's not killing me anymore. I refuse to surrender to right. sin. I'm pushing well, back. I'm battling. And so that's where he gets into this part where he is so honest. You know, I feel wretched sometimes. And 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 the good that I would, I don't do. And the evil that I don't want to do, I do that sometimes. And he becomes honest. So, you know, for everybody that's listening, especially younger listeners or those that are new to the apostolic faith, the struggle is normal. Yeah. And if the greatest theologian of the New Testament struggled, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you're going to struggle. It's yeah. just yeah. part of life. I think there's a just a glimmer of hope too in verse number 25 that we shouldn't overlook. Thanks be to God <laughs> yes. through yeah. Jesus Christ oh, our yes. Lord. So, That's we win. Yep. That that we're not we're not going to be victims. We're going to be victors. Yes. Yeah. That if you're if you're struggling, if you're fighting, you have hope. Yes. Mm-hmm. You have hope. There's hope that. 
if I'm, I didn't want to struggle. If you go back to chapter six, I didn't want to struggle. I, right. What what fruit was there when I was right. a slave to sin? There yeah. was no fruit. Right. But now yeah. there's fruit to living in righteousness, yes. and there's still the struggle there. Wow. But thanks be to God. Yes. And then I, I know we're not in chapter eight yet, but it's, look, I mean, there, obviously there's no break in yeah. in the original. No, right. Sure. There is therefore now no condemnation. Yeah, exactly. Condemnation. About turning yeah. the corner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's and that's hope for us, and yeah, hope yes. for you, if you're, those who are, are watching and listening. Yeah. It's here's Paul's theological tongue twister. Even in the King James Bible, he says, um, "For I know that in me, that in that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil that I would not that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that doeth it, but sin that dwelleth in me. It's just this theological <laughs> tongue twister. Yeah. But it's also the inner struggle that we yes. all face. You yes. feel like a, a spiritual schizophrenic some yes. days. Yes. Um, because we love the law of God. Right. We desire to keep it. Uh, we agree that the law is good if we understand what, mm. what Paul's saying here. Yeah. None of that was true, like you said, before we were saved. But salvation happens in our inward man. Yes. And so we've still got this flesh to contend with. He, he says in verse 22 and 23, I delight in the law of God. So that's law of God mm -hmm. after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. There's right. another law. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which yeah. is in my members. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's two things there, or three things there. There's the law of God. Mm -hmm. So that's salvation that's in my spirit. Yes. Then there's the law of my mind. That's where the struggle is. Sinful temptations that come into my mind. Your mind is always the battleground. Mm -hmm. And then there's the law of sin, which yeah. is sinful tendencies in my body, in my flesh. So right there, you've got the, the, the flesh, the, the mind, and the spirit. Yeah. And the mind is the connective tissue, if yes. you will. Wow. That's yes. where the battle is. You're either going to follow the spirit right. or you're going to follow the flesh. And right. that's the struggle for every person that's watching today. Yeah. What are you feeding? Exactly. Right. Exactly. What, what, are, what, yes. what are you feeding your thoughts? Yep. You know, I, I, I think my pastor taught me this years ago. Um, every thought that comes through your mind is like a bird. Mm. Either you decide to allow it to make a nest yeah. or you shoo it away. Yes. So not every thought is is my thoughts exactly and i don't have to linger upon them and that's where we also have to guard our minds what we're watching what we're taking sure. in if not it could it could it could it could arouse old passions in me right. it could arouse old things that i felt years yes. ago yes and i have to fight that and i have yes. to i have to struggle against that and that it becomes the mind, wow. and it has. What are you feeding into your mind yeah, and your spirit? Because whatever you're feeding mm -hmm. is going to win. It's going to get stronger, absolutely. or it's going to get weaker. No, if you're exactly not feeding true. Yeah. Paul helps us by being so transparent, and yes. Bishop, you helped us by being so yes. transparent. Because so many people that would be watching this, they would think, Brother Carpenter struggles, but it, we all have struggles, sure. and it's so important. Um, you know, uh, we we you know you you feel the pull of chapter eight. You want to yeah, yeah. go there. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor yes. Nate already did. He yeah, cheated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but 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 you have to feel the struggle yes. before you can rejoice in the no condemnation. Yes. Sure. Yes. There, there's this really neat historical thing, guys. Uh, verse twenty four and twenty five. Oh wretched man that I am. Yeah. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? 
And then he goes to, I thank God through Jesus Christ. And then he says something so strange to many people. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. What? What in the world? But Paul's saying, I am battling against this flesh yes. in my mind. Yeah. And so my flesh is still pulled like everybody mm -hmm. else's flesh. Absolutely. It's not redeemed. Yeah. I, I'm getting older right now yeah. as I sit here. <laughs> you know, so, so my flesh isn't redeemed. My spirit is redeemed. And my mind is the battleground where I'm fighting against that flesh. Yeah. But when he says, oh, wretched man that I am, the old classic Bible commentator, Adam Clark, he wrote that Paul was making a reference to one of Virgil's classic poems here. In particular, there's a passage uh, in Virgil about an evil tyrant. His, he's an Etruscan king. He's named Mezentius. And there's a poem in there that's just uh, amazing. Um, the custom in that day was just in in being barbaric in warfare, mm. if they captured some enemy soldiers, perhaps there was a, uh, you know, from, from the, the, the opposing army. So there's dead soldiers, there's living captives, and they've taken them captive. <laughs> and they would literally take uh, these dead corpses and to torture the captives that they had taken in battle, they would tie a, a corpse wow. face to face hand to hand, leg to leg, torso to torso, they would tie a corpse to that living soldier they had captured in battle. And so as the corpse, maybe it was his buddy, his friend, certainly wow. a fellow soldier in the army, and as that corpse decayed, it would eventually overwhelm him. Wow. So Adam Clark said, that's the image Paul's talking about when he says, oh, wretched man that I am. I've got the corpse of this decaying flesh wow. tied to me. So, so in, uh, in Virgil, there's this poem that describes this. And here's what it says. What tongue can such barbarities record or count the slaughters of his ruthless sword? "'Twas not enough the good, the guiltless bled. Still worse, he bound the living to the dead. These limb to limb and face to face he joined, O monstrous crime of unexampled kind, till choked with stench the lingering wretches lay and in loathed embraces died away.'" Wow. So that was that evil king mm. named Mazentius. And that's Paul's image. I, am, I can't get out of this flesh. I'm, wow. I'm bound to it. It's not redeemed at all. If I let my flesh take over, I could be capable of the worst sins. Yes. Yes. I could be capable of things that I can't even comprehend today. But I refuse. That's the battle. I refuse to let my flesh take over because I want to serve that law of God that's in my right. spirit. Wow. But for every one of us, the mind is the battleground. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Every Very one good. of us. Um, we have talked a lot in chapter 7 about what Paul is saying. But let's just, in verse 25 if I could just mention what Paul is not saying, okay? When he says that, uh, so then, with my mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Paul is not saying that if you have a desire to live for God, it doesn't matter how you live in the flesh. Absolutely right. You know, he's, right. he's not... Saying the opposite. You, you, you know, he's not saying any, any of that. Mm. I know that... Um, uh, 
some interpret that you, yeah. you know to yeah. justify no, well it's really so not good. it's re, you know it's really not me god looks on my heart god yeah. knows i really don't so want to do this yeah. and so um, I believe it'd be good to end chapter seven with what Paul is not saying. That's Absolutely, yeah. no. Yeah. I, I think that's that's so true. And so we see seven to eight. We see the law is mentioned twenty three times. Wow. In seven, and then we're going to shift here in chapter eight in just a moment. We've not really heard the spirit the word. Spirit's been mentioned twice in the whole book, and all of a sudden, chapter eight, it's mentioned twenty something times. So we're going to see this shift, and I think it's important that. We do, we do um, for our listeners here, the struggle that happens in seven and then the spirit yeah. that takes place in eight. So the spirit gives life. The letter killeth, but the spirit maketh alive. And that, I think that whole <laughs> thing, and we, we, uh, I won't get too in-depth into this, but as, as Pentecostals, we all sit here today, um, experience the Pentecostal experience that that whole Exodus tie of the law was given on the day of Pentecost. They call it the Feast of Shaviat and Exodus, the same day that the Spirit was given in Acts 2. Mm-hmm. So the letter is given on the same day. About 3,000 die by the sword yep. there where he, the famous quote, you know, uh, who's on the Lord's side? He stands mm-hmm. at the gate and they draw the sword. And about 3,000 die because the letter killeth. But the Spirit about 3,000 souls are added on in mm-hmm. Acts 2. So we see, again, this tie to the, the Spirit makes alive what the letter killeth. The law is going to destroy that flesh, and the Spirit is going to bring to life what that law has. So, um, and, and again, being Pentecostal today, it's, it's powerful to see that tie that they that worship must worship in spirit and in truth and tying all these things together, I think just validating for a listener today that being Pentecostal is not just something that we've coined and oh um, takes from Acts chapter 2, but it has pulled even these two, uh, chapter 7 and chapter 8, of what could be coined as, as a, uh, a Roman's road to salvation. And like Pastor said, verse 25 being taken out of context or whatever the case may be. But um, this, is, this is exciting to, to make this shift because in, in chapter 8, um, we really get to see how powerful the Holy Ghost is in our life. So thank you for watching and uh, join us again for chapter 8.